This is 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. And you're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, your cure for corporate news. Good thing or a bad thing? Our program continues. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz in the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. Nice to have you both here. Uh, I'd like to uh, begin by taking you on a little trip. We're going to go on a little vacation, the three of us. Uh, my expense, too. We're going to... Good uh, time. We're going to climb on the big bird and uh, over the North Atlantic to Great Britain, where yesterday Prime Minister Tony Blair received what some are saying is a signal defeat. He had proposed some legislation, and his party had proposed some legislation that would make it a criminal offense, a criminal offense, to incite religious hatred through words or actions. It was very narrowly voted down. They didn't get it surprised a lot of people, surprised, I would think, Canadians who are paying attention because we have, to the best of my knowledge, um, similar legislation here already. You're not allowed to incite violence against, against some people through, through uh, speaking or writing. Uh, you fall, run afoul of the human rights uh, codes and various other things in Canada, and you get into big trouble. They said no over there. Um, one of the rationales for it was that they felt it was an infringement on free speech that it would effectively ban the discussion or religious discussions, uh, people within the supposed sanctity of their religious uh, uh, sanctuaries would not be able to speak their minds freely relative to their faith uh, without becoming implicitly becoming criminals, and that was not the right thing to do. Uh, I'm going to start today with Jeff because he is a lawyer. Uh, what do you make of that? Do you, do you see... Uh, a constitutional protection at risk here if we say you cannot publicly say or write something to incite religious hatred? Uh, yes, there could be uh, an issue there. And it's interesting that um, in the uh, the course I teach at the law school, a student wrote a paper last term about kind of the opposite side of the coin, which was, sh should religions be re limited in their ability to say whatever they want about social issues? And there were um, some prominent cases within the last year. One of them was, um, I think, uh, was it a bishop in uh, Alberta that uh, had said something about the government and the same-sex marriage legislation. There was a um, congregation in California that had advocated people not voting for George Bush. And... Uh, the thesis of his paper was that although freedom of religion is protected as a constitutional right, it seems to be a kind of a secondary right or a second-class right when it com comes to comparison or commenting on things like uh, sexual orientation, that it seems right now that as between those competing uh, protections, the, um, the uh, same-sex community is getting better uh, protection of their rights, if you like, than the right of the church to comment on things. Uh, it is true that in Canada there is a criminal code uh, prohibition on uh, inciting hatred, and I believe that there's a fellow in London who's, who's been prosecuted uh, as a result of a website. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is uh, true that we have a, a criminal code uh, sanction against that. Now, one thing that's a bit different between Canada and England is that they don't have a written constitution. They don't have a written charter of rights. They have a parliamentary tradition, uh, which I suppose might provide less of a touchstone for passing legislation in the sense that in Canada, I suppose that our legislation would be something that people would say, well, if you've got this Charter of Rights, that this criminal code should be consistent with that, and that's why we do it this way. Whereas in England, they don't have the same legal argument. Essentially, they can have a, a parliamentary tradition, uh, and they presumably would look to say, okay, is this new legislation consistent with our tradition, which is not written down? 
so it's a bit different, but it, it's a it's a tough issue because you really are weighing competing values. Bob, what about the the free speech issue here? Should we have should we have and obviously in in Britain they've said yes we should, and in Canada we've already said no. It's not it's not important enough to uh, to have maintained it. Should we have the right to essentially say whatever we want about someone else? Um, absolutely. I think free speech is an absolute right, but it doesn't come without consequences. You don't need criminal consequences mm -hmm. to have real bad things happen to you for saying bad things. But it, it isn't uh, the purpose of the criminal consequences, though, to try to restrict those bad things to to the, the criminal justice system no, and justice not having individuals uh, exacting retribution for the things you say? Justice is about defending individual rights, proper justice. And that means defending life, liberty, and property. So as long as someone's not throwing stones at you, um, you know you know that old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's been twisted today. People mm -hmm. have been saying, oh, well, names can hurt you. They don't, they don't understand that. But this that. goes, well, you're talking about, and the, and the language here is very specific, too. They were not talking about expressing your opinion. They were talking about inciting religious hatred. In other words, let's go get all the fill-in-the-blanks. Should well, we be allowed to say that? Come on, everybody, get your torches and your pitchforks. Let's go get all the Jews. Well, that's, what about somebody who perhaps doesn't like anybody religious? It's not a religious person. Is that person being banned in this, in this kind of a discussion as well? I can see why... Now, this didn't pass, right? That's right. Now, I can see why the pressures would be there for it not to pass, because who gets to define what that religious hatred is? See, I, I say you can say anything you want, but as soon as you cross the line using violence or force against other people, that's where the government has a right to but act. But where is the... And you can be held responsible. Where, where, retro is, where is the line? Is there no line? Have you not touched the line when you, when you say, as I just did, come on, everybody, get your pitch, pitchforks, you know we're going to go get all the uh, we're going to go get all the socialists we're going to well, not the socialists uh, uh, we're going to get the Jews we're going to get the Arabs we're going to get the Armenians whoever it is we're going to go get them come on everybody now there's no violent act has yet occurred no violence has occurred does that guy get off because I mean he says all that then goes home and watches television well, while the people he's excited go out and kill people is he I not responsible he may be, but I'm glad I can hear the guy telling me he's coming to kill me rather than have somebody tell him to shut up and then he comes at me from behind and I don't know he's there. Yeah. Look at the world as it is today. The whole Mideast is all about racial and religious hatreds mm -hmm. on a degree that you and I cannot understand. Yeah. Okay? Um, these cultures are living in a melee in, 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 the, in the British Commonwealth everywhere, really, not mm -hmm. just in England, but in Canada, the United States, all the countries that originally came from Britain. These are the multicultural countries that are really faced with these problems of multi-religion, multi-values under a system that should really be working under one set of values. You can't have a person who believes in black and another person believing in white and expect them to compromise or get along together. So... The job of government, of course, of a proper government, is to keep violence from happening. But why this kind of a freedom is always extended simply to religious people? We have religion, like freedom of religion seems to take precedence over freedom of speech, which is a more rational well, then freedom. Are, well, then are you coming around to what Mr. Blair wanted, which was to say you cannot incite religious hatred? Well, you can't have violence. That's a, a, a different thing. That's where you cross, where the, do you cross the, line? the line. Well, you have to interpret. If, if I came to you and threatened you personally, let's say I came, said, said to you, I'm going to kill you, that's a threat. 
Okay. Well, yeah, but because I, that's a specific I know, threat. I think you're splitting and hairs. That's all. not a matter so, of my I'm, free speech. I'm the guy making the speech again, and I'm up on the podium, and I'm saying, get your pitchforks and light those torches, boys, and go get them. There's a whole bunch of them just over there. But I'm just going to stand here on the stage. I'm not doing no. anything. It seems to me by your rationale that that I'm going to be able to go home and go to bed. Nobody's going to bother me because I didn't do anything. Well. Let me put it to you this way. That's not the type of inciting that I usually hear about. I hear about the type where you get some person one religion, and I'm not religious at all, by the way, condemning an another religion, not in the sense that let's go kill them and wipe them off the face of the earth, but in the sense of their values are not our values. That's not they're, what they're, no, that's not what they're and, talking and that, about here. But that can be deemed as being... Uh, the kind of speech that, that would fall under I've under never, the thing. I've it always ends up being interpreted. Bob, in all the years you and I have known each other, I've never seen you squirm like this. I can't get an answer out of you. You, you have got an answer Who's the, the guy who's on the stage saying, get the pitchfork and go kill those people? I said you can go after him, just like you can and with I, a guy who comes to you and threatens you with life. But if a guy who just says, for what? I disagree with no, go after Jews for what? or Arabs or this religion Go or after that. him for what? For, for an act of violence, the same reason, the same... I didn't do like anything. Yeah, well, I incited, and which is what this legislation is all about. If you state you're going to do something specific... No, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not doing a thing. I'm just saying you get your pitchfork and go get those people. And the law in, in Great Britain that would have prevented me from doing that, the law was not struck down. The law was not, was not enacted. It was voted down. The legislation was voted down. So I can still well, stand up there and say, go get your pitchforks in Britain. And if someone took a pitchfork and said that they did it because you told them to, you might be held liable, and there might be a good case for that. But in and of itself, I can see a look at how much you're talking about. I, I see the, the distinction you're making between talking about inciting hate as opposed to inciting violence. violence. Yes. And violence, clearly, everybody agrees, shouldn't be doing. And right. I guess the question about hate is, you know, where, at what point do you draw the line between inciting anger against a group because they're doing something that really is making you mad? Where does, when does anger become hatred, I guess? Question if I was an American revolutionary, I'd be inciting violence against the British. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> yes, and and freedom would not have existed. You could have been it, hanged You could for have been, too. but does that make it right? No. Okay, I had a right to that freedom of speech. The fear of people talking to other people isn't about what they're saying. When governments are afraid of Mr. X saying something, it's not him they're afraid of, it's the public they're afraid of. Mm -hmm. That the public will believe the guy, mm -hmm. or that they already know that the public supports these points of view and they don't want those ideas put out into such a public venue, now which, we, which they are, by the now way. There's a subtext to all this story, and, and the three of us in this room are aware of it. I'm, I suspect many of you are as well. The subtext to this is this was drafted specifically aimed at Muslim clerics in Great Britain. This is what this legislation was all about, because some of them have been very, very outspoken, anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic, uh, have called for for uh, bloody jihad, have preached in their in their in their um, um, uh, mosques, have preached holy war against the Jews and against the infidels. Some of them are very proud of this. Some of them got public with these speeches, have made these talks outside of the confines of their mosques and so on. That's where Blair is coming from. That was the genesis of this legislation. And one of the things that's, that's unfortunate about the human condition is that. Some people are surprisingly susceptible to that kind of talk. You know, it's, it's remarkable to me in a way. You know, you could say theoretically, well, whatever somebody says, other people can sort of take it into consideration and go, eh, that guy's nuts. You know, I'm not going to listen to him or whatever. But there's a certain 
number of people who seem to be susceptible to um, to is it demagogues that we call yes. it you know and they do fall for that uh, and it's it's a weird thing about society why does there seem to be an unending supply of suicide bombers why are people willing to do that um, because they've been talked into it by somebody they've who's been very told persuasive. to give up reason for faith faith is just whatever you feel like but are, but are we being unrealistic to say that people should be smart enough not to fall for it because some do and they it, should be, but in some of the climates that some horrible cultures are brought up, the kids are taught to hate from the minute they're, mm-hmm. they're being raised. So yeah. they don't know anything different for a while. And people are extremely programmed. We are habitual creatures. And it takes a generation or two to get even one small habit out of, you know, mm-hmm. out of a general population. I can't get my kids to do anything I tell them to do. I don't know. Well, they're so good at you it. Know, <laughs> it doesn't come that easily. But the, the whole point of, you know, r- religious areas are always in war and havoc because... They don't have any objective reality between them. They all have their pie-in-the-sky ideals of afterlife and all this stuff. You know, someone once described religion as, as organized disinformation and ignorance, which, which opposed to science, it is. And, and when you're preaching things like that that just don't match with reality, you've got to expect reality to come into conflict with those kinds of values. We have to pause for a moment, and uh, reality is going to inject itself here. We've got some messages from our sponsors. We invite you to stay with us more with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz and Jim Chapman on the uh, Left, Right, and Center. If you're enjoying today's program, please tell your friends. It's the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. Speaking of freedom of speech, Howard Stern was uh, uh, not chased off Canadian airwaves, but nudged off Canadian airwaves by the number of restrictions they put on the sta- stations that chose to to uh, repeat his show from the United States. They had time delays. They had on-site sensors, all sorts of things. They finally gave up. Howard's now on Sirius Radio, Satellite Radio, and we've just been told that uh, Sirius Canada has announced that uh, they're going to be running Howard, uh, making it available here in Canada as well. Sirius Canada owned by, among others, uh, the CBC and uh, Standard Broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> you want to take a look at freedom of speech, Howard's going to push that envelope for you. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Although in that sense, I suppose... Um I think it's easier to argue that what he does is essentially harmless, although there are lots of people who argue it's not. But its I don't think he's inciting violence against anybody or hatred. It's more just trying to shock you. And ridicule. He incites ridicule, but that's, yes. that's not going to kill you. Well, and also no. degeneracy. I want to ch- change the focus. I just want to just, you know, to me, the failure of censorship, censorship is an admission that you cannot deal with the ideas that you're censoring. Mm. Okay, that means, oh, yeah, you guys are preaching hatred and all sorts of horrible things, and we can't think of a response. Jeez, I, I can't think of anything to say against these guys. Let's shut them up. Well, what are you telling the public? You're saying that person, you know, one thing I've learned about censorship, and this has been my honest experience, that's why I'm always so suspicious about even a story like this out of England, Mm -hmm. is that the only victim of censorship always is the truth. Nobody censors fiction. You want a classic example here in Ontario? Carla Homolka. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when poor Gordon Dom, the ex-OPP officer, was facing all sorts of charges under the Ontario government for daring to tell Ontarians the truth Mm -hmm. of the Carla Homolka issue after the trial was concluded, okay, because they hadn't gone to Paul Bernardo yet. And uh, meanwhile, the rest of the world's reading the truth. Ontario can't hear. But the Ontario uh, Solicitor General goes, well, it's okay if you spread 
false innuendo and we can't do anything about all the rumors, but boy, if there's any facts in there, we're coming after you. And that's exactly uh, what censorship's about. It's point, a point well taken. Okay, that's I want to move. I'm at on it. <laughs> I, I, I want to move south of the water, move around the, around the world sure. today. But this is an element that has some resonance for us here: the principle of eminent domain, whereby the public, the, the in the uh, the government and be, re- representing the public, can take your property away from you for certain specific reasons for the greater public good. And there's been a, a large case in the states lately uh, where a, um, uh, a municipality wanted to expropriate the land of 15 homes, private homes, uh, so they could put up some kind of a business uh, offices and apartments and so on. It just happens to be right next door to one of the big drug companies. I think it's Pfizer. Uh, and would be very handy for them to have this, and they have expropriated this land, went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, they have the right to do that. Even though there was not, in the minds of many people, a clear public good here. There certainly was a good to the... uh, uh, to the uh, uh, the commercial developers of this land, but in the past it was generally held, as I understand it, that there had to be a clear public good, like we're going, we're widening the highway, for example, or we're putting in an overpass, and we're very sorry, but we're going to have to buy your house. They don't take your house and throw you in the street. They have to pay you fair market value, and in many cases they'll pay you a little more than fair market value. In this case, though, these homeowners said, we don't want to do this. There's, there's no clear public benefit here. They fought it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, no, this isn't going to happen. Well, a group in uh, in the United States now has <laughs> are they are trying to to seize uh, and I think it's Scalia John Scalia's boyhood home. Um, they want to expropriate this on behalf of the county um, and put up a an, an inn a bed and breakfast and they say this is a um, this is an improvement. This will improve the tax base, which was another one of the reasons why they allowed this other thing to go. It will improve the tax base. The, the house is a little run down. It is his boyhood home. He still visits there from time to time. And uh, in order to do this now, they have to get it on the municipal ballot, which comes up in March, I believe. And the last I heard, I think they had managed to get it on the ballot. They tried to go to the county council, and they just laughed them off. And they said, well, you can't laugh us off. This is a very serious issue, and we're very serious about this. We have the money. We're prepared to actually build this, uh, build this facility here. Uh, and using this Supreme Court as a precedent... We want to. Uh, we want to, the, the the county to declare eminent domain, take that land over, sell it to us, and then we will build the uh, we'll build the inn on the land. Now, what they're trying to do, obviously, is to embarrass uh, the justices who voted. It was five to four in favor of this, so four of them were dissenters. But they want to embarrass the justices and point out the fact that property rights in the United States are are slipping. They are not uh, subject to the same kind of protections that they used to be. Uh, what do you think of these guys doing this? Is this a wasted effort, Bob? Which effort? The effort to... The guys who are trying to seize his house now. Uh, Scalia's house. Well, they're trying to make a point, right? Did I say John Scalia? It's uh, Anton Scalia. Anton, Anton Scalia. Uh, but they're just trying to make a point, really. Well, but they're ready to go through it. Um, the well, that's how you make a point. Um, and maybe that's what you have to do. I wouldn't particularly support it. I don't think you always have to fight fire with fire or evil with evil, you know, because I think property rights have been eroded for a long time, particularly when we have something called a property tax on everybody's home, which effectively means you rent your home from the government even after you've paid it off. And they have the right to take it away from you in two or three years if you don't keep up with your rent. 
Okay, so that's, you don't own your house. Get away. That's, that's, that, that concept ended a long time ago. So to, to see that principle taken into, well, we're just going to take your place because we've got some friends who've got a big business, and, and we think, of course, if, I, if you give me money, power, and, and guns, I can improve anybody's property. Trust me, I can bomb your house down today and put a cathedral there. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, you a know? nice check for your property. I'm not stealing your property from you. Oh, that's fine. Uh, you know, the, in a free society, you sell your property if you want to. You know, nobody has a right to force you to sell something, especially if you put your life into it. That's the purpose of having freedom is to make those choices. And if somebody's new coming in, they've got to take conditions as they are. The Supreme Court said in the broadest sense, a broadest interpretation, they said that uh, the, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Well, then they were wrong because they even misinterpreted their own interpretation because the needs of the many are individual property rights. And, okay, I can show you, I can violate a million people's rights and take five cents from them and give all that five cents to five people, and they'd have a million dollars. And I could say, see, the needs, <laughs> their needs exceeded the needs of the, of, it always ends up being the needs of the few exceeding the needs of the many mm. whenever you violate individual rights. There's no two ways around it. The price they're paying to get whatever development they're putting there is the property rights of all future generations once they set that precedent. People will not make long-term decisions anymore. They won't invest in certain areas because they know the government can come by and take it away. This is what's destroyed countries around the world. That's why they don't, can't even grow agriculturally something properly. You know, five-year plans and all this nonsense, right? But that's, that's what happens when you violate property rights. You, you can always see a benefit of something that the government does because the government has a very visible hand. The marketplace has a very invisible hand. Well, let me, uh, one more qualifier, and then I'll go back to Jeff. Uh, I said earlier that it, traditionally what governments have restricted their use of this power to, things like widening roads and, and uh, you know, things that could be seen. It's, you could make a reasonable case. Maybe you couldn't convince every jury, but you could make a reasonable case were for the benefit of the general public. Uh, do, would you oppose that as well? Um, in principle, yes. And, and yeah, I, I would agree that you can't always make a reasonable case for an economic improvement uh, uh, violating anybody's rights. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could justify slavery for that. That's what they did in the South. Mm -hmm. They had a real reasonable case for slavery. It helped, it helped their economy, mm -hmm. by gosh. And that's exactly what we're doing here. Jeff, now you're a lawyer. Again, I come back to that. Uh, this, this idea of eminent domain, does that offend you on any lawyerly level? Well, it's always a question of... of how far you take it. I guess when I think about property rights, I think that there's a tendency on the part of, of those of us who in the middle class to think that in centuries past we would have been nobility, but uh, in centuries past we would have been serfs who weren't allowed to own property at mm -hmm. all. And I don't know the history of, of you know specifically when the right to own property was sort of extended to everybody. Uh, I do recall at one point that uh, in order to vote you had to own property mm -hmm. um, within but I believe within the last century, uh, and that has changed. But broadly speaking, I think that it's one of those things uh, where if it's not abused, then it makes sense. That okay, if there's I'll, a hold that thought right there because we have to pause for okay. just a second. We'll come back and I'll let you finish that okay. thought. We'll be right back with more on the news hour. This is 94.9 CHRW, your cure for corporate radio. And you're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour, your cure for corporate news. 
Jeff, we were just, uh, I had to cut you off there because we were almost out of time. And we're almost out of time again, so you're going to get the last word today. Cool. Well, I think it's it's like many things that uh, common sense is, is uh, the touchstone for it. That uh, I recall cases, for instance, at the start of World War II where the American government seized a bunch of weapons that had been bought by the British government and were being made by American companies because the American government said, we need them for defense. That makes sense. Uh, and I think that's an appropriate place to say, I don't care what your contract says, it's an emergency. But we always see cases where they abuse those types of things. And I think of the example of Ipperwash, uh, for instance, where they seized the, uh, the uh, Indian Reserve, uh, saying they needed it for the war emergency. And realistically, there's tons of land in Ontario they could have used rather than taking that. It's abuse that wrecks it for everybody. Uh, but I, uh, to the people who are pushing this initiative that you've talked about, I think that's awesome. I, I love it when people do colorful, creative things to try and get their point across and are willing to put a lot of energy into it. And uh, it, at the end of the day, it'll make it, <laughs> hopefully at least make some justices squirm, which is, uh, which is good. Keeps them honest. That can't be a bad thing at all. Huh? Exactly. Bob, uh, I'll give you, uh, we've got 10 seconds left. I will give you the last words. Well, I, I don't know. I think I sort of exhausted all my basic opinions on... You're on, talked on, out? Yeah, on that particular <laughs> issue. Like, I'm, I'm pretty well... You know, in principle, I, I, I often words. can can sympathize with a point of view, but I, I often think sometimes by using a bad method, even if it's just to you know, hit home somebody's hypocrisy, mm. um, you might be doing more harm. I don't know the particulars of this case, and it sounds like a fun stunt in that <laughs> sense. And I would be, you know, I'd laugh at it just like anybody else. But in principle, would I support it? Would I do it that way myself? Probably not. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us again today for Left, Right, and Center. We'd be getting a lot of email about the, this segment on the show. If you're enjoying it, please let us know. If you're not, that's fair game, too. It's Jim Chapman at Rogers.com. Let us know about this segment of the program or any other, because we're here to make the show as interesting and useful to you as we possibly can, including providing you some great dancing music. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 with the next edition of the program. What program you ask? Well, let me tell you, it's the Jim Chapman News Hour. Each and every weekday at 11 on 94.9 CHRW. In the meantime, this is Jim for James, who's flying the plane today, and for Jeff and Bob saying, please take care of each other, mind how you go, and God bless. Bye bye.